Welcome to Screencast, Screen's podcast series where our lawyers and other industry or thought leaders share their views and insights on various legal issues and developments in Malaysia. Hi everyone, this is Gui here, Gui Yang Shu, Senior Associate in Screen's Intellectual Property Department. And today I'm joined by... I'm Melissa Long, partner in the Intellectual Property Department of Screen. And the both of us work principally with IP disputes. And I guess we're here today to talk about IP challenges in social media. What title did we sort of decide or what theme did we land on? The legal cost of going viral? Yeah, I think that's going to be the title of this podcast episode. But don't be surprised if it's something completely different when it comes out. All right, everyone? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it's going about and talking about the legal cost of social media from an IP perspective. I mean, of course, we're always usually dealing with copyright issues. Um, We're talking about it from both the fact that Copyright owners, IP owners want to, con- you know, do, it's that tension between wanting to control or not control uh, IP rights, what happens in that instance, and then going viral or, or wanting to use social media to, to yeah, that effect. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, there's this whole other, I suppose, challenge about the fact that people are using social media and, and very often not even very aware of, you know, any IP implications, IP risks. And, and what does that really mean? Are, are we living in a world where... It's basically just free for all, and that means that the laws need to catch up, or, or basically that people need to count, calm down. And, yeah, and yeah. We're aware that almost everybody these days can be an influencer, and a lot of people do want to be influencers, but people don't really pause to think whether they can do the things they are doing from a legal perspective and what the costs and implications are. I think for today, we're going to be focusing predominantly on the most hot and popular social media app among the kids these days, TikTok. Melissa. I think that's very good that you're going to be the one that's, you know, introducing me to these yeah. concepts. I don't have TikTok. Yeah, so I profess that I am a consumer of TikTok quite a bit. So I guess from the starting point, everybody knows TikTok as being this app where, you know, a lot of people will dance to a popular song or even lip sync to a popular song. That's kind of like people's traditional idea of how people use copyrighted music, copyrighted works on TikTok, but it's really evolved beyond that. Uh, So for example, a recent trend or genre of TikTok, which I've seen lately, and I had to look this up, it's called sludge content. So what it is, is people will have a split screen video on their TikTok video. On, let's say, the left half is a video of themselves baking, so step by step, baking a cake. But on the other side, the second half of the screen is something completely unrelated, let's say a popular clip from a TV show, let's say Friends or How I Met Your Mother, and both are being played in the same video together. Do we know how they, like, does someone basically just go hunting around the internet to figure out what bits they want? Why the proliferation of it now? I I guess it's because people just want to find whatever hits home and people enjoy watching and some people enjoy watching, you know, popular content and having that nostalgia of watching yeah, popular Yeah, I suppose show. my question yeah. is really, is, oh. it, is it easier? I don't use TikTok. Right. But is it easier now to basically get snippets to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to splice content Absolutely. together? So if, if you compare to the past uh, when it was just, you know, like YouTube and Facebook and all that, yeah. back in the day, if you wanted to create 
popular content, you really had to kind of like be, all right, I am a YouTuber. This is kind of like what I do. This is my career. And you have to like download specific software, software licenses, and really download all of these clips, download all of these music and splice it all together. You really had to have quite a bit of effort and skill and investment into both time and resources to really make something that's viral and that will go popular. But today, From like a software perspective, yes, at least. Okay. Precisely. And even an editing skill perspective. But today, with uh, social media, especially with TikTok's own editing functions in the app, Instagram's own editing functions in the app, it makes editing so much easier. And particularly... You speaking from personal experience? <laughs> uh, a bit, maybe. Okay. Uh, I uh, don't look for my TikTok. But basically, yeah. And for example, TikTok, why I think TikTok became so strong and powerful, and this is something that Instagram later on followed, is that TikTok has a, what we call kind of like a library of sounds, where if someone uploads a video and they save the audio as a sound, yeah. it gets added to a library where literally anybody can just click on that sound and click on the button and they can use it for their own video and just record themselves using that exact same audio. So there's no longer a need of, you know, like yourself having to go look for the original sound splice that exact segment and then re-upload it. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, that's exactly why things go viral, right? Because yes. there's that same exact snippet that keeps going on and, yeah. and, and people can literally reproduce or, or reenact. And then that seems to be quite popular when it comes to TikTok, just that reenaction or everyone's got their, their own version of, of a certain thing. Um, and actually, I was reading up about the history of TikTok and I think it, they have this library of sound because they, they originated or they bought a company that, that was essentially a sound library. Yeah, and it was originally meant to be a karaoke company. So the I idea think. was initially for people to just, you know, like lip sync along, but it's evolved so much beyond that. So like even today, there are people that, you know, like they might have a video of their own home tour of their recently renovated house and they use a popular song. Uh, that's going viral right now. And so just like that, you know, it's kind of completely unrelated, but it's using a popular viral and definitely, you know, copyrighted sound for their background music. I mean, I'm going to show my age here and I'm going to say, well, yeah, I know that, that that's quite commonly seen on, on YouTube shorts as well as Instagram reels that people are using. They're overlaying maybe seemingly unrelated film dialogue or just innocuous scenes in their, from their life. And, 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 and you know, it's, it's funny. I suppose there's a comedic effect to that. Um, but we're talking about it as if we know that it's a it's an IP challenge or an IP potential issue. But, you know, let's break it down. So so why is it a problem where we're looking at it? Um, clearly because what music and I think it's quite obvious I think again I don't know whether it's quite obvious but for us it's quite obvious musical works are protected yep. um, and then but but breaking down musical works I think what people don't realise is that it actually branches their different types of aspects of that musical work which is protected there's the music itself yep there's the lyrics that's yep. protected. There's the sound recording that's yep. protected. That's right. Um, and then in, obviously in different countries, there, there, there might be more, there might be less, you know. But yeah. as a basic idea, most countries will protect the music, the lyrics, the sound yeah. recording. And the thing is, each of these separate rights could potentially be owned by someone different. Uh, the sound recording yeah. could be owned by the record label. The lyrics could be owned by the original composer. Uh, the music from a different artist. All of these rights are vested in somebody and strictly speaking, the purpose of copyright is that I, as a copyright owner, I have a monopoly, essentially an exclusive right to, let's say, reproduce the work, to distribute it, to perform it in public. So the issue is, I think it's safe to say that most people, when they post something on TikTok, on Instagram... Or they reenact. Oh yeah, or they reenact. They don't, you know, go to those copyright owners and ask, hey, can I use your song? Hey, can I use your clip for my own video. Uh, I think it's safe to say that nobody really does that. 
But I mean, again, then it comes back to that, that point, right? You're saying that there's a repository of sounds, there's a library of sounds. Maybe people use TikTok and think, hey, if it's in the library, it's there. I didn't put it up. Someone put it there. I can pick it. Surely TikTok's like solve this problem and they are the ones who are providing it to me. That's a great point. So yes and no. Yes, because TikTok has signed some licensing deals. Are with, we sure about that? Yes, oh. uh, we're sure about that. They have, <laughs> some, they have signed some licensing deals with, uh, for example, uh, some music publishers and some record labels. Well, that's what the newspapers report anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, that can only capture so much of their musical repertoire. For example, literally right now, if today we were to upload a clip from this podcast episode and we were to save you and my audio as a sound, someone could then use that as a sound on TikTok and, you know, like reenact what we're doing or just overlay it on some other completely unrelated uh, the worst is if they have like a react, um, yes, uh, a yeah, react exactly. yeah. um, clip and then they're just constantly. Yeah, no, just but here's the thing. Us. You see, if they did that, then in theory. So I think there's also then this whole other realm that there are defenses, you know, there are aspects which makes it perfectly okay to use. And, you know, there's the criticism defense, there's the review mm-hmm. defense, there's yep. the parody defense, the yep. caricature, I yep. think in Malaysia, caricature. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's I mean, of course, it differs from, from country to country, but there's a certain amount of... I suppose, um, freedom, basically the idea yeah. that, you know, this this must go out and, and people must be able yeah. to say something so about it. So I think the exception that everyone assumes enables them to be able to post all of this kind of user-generated content. Especially when they're really short bits. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's, it's the defense of uh, what we call here in Malaysia fair dealing. I think the more popular term that everyone's heard of is fair use. Because that's of the a, states. Yeah, so that's an American doctrine called fair use. Here in Malaysia, we call it fair dealing. So the whole idea of fair use slash fair dealing is that if uh, the use of a work is for a fair dealing purpose, and usually there are like some factors, for example, if it's for a non-commercial use, the use is transformative. Usually user-generated content would fall under this defense and you would be exempt from copyright infringement. Well, but not just because it's transformative. I mean, derivative works are, in fact, mm. can still infringe, right? Mm. You, you might, you might, you sing a song and then you recite the lyrics of the song. It's still... Uh, yeah. A reproduction, it's yeah, still an yeah, issue. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But I think for most users, so for example, if I just record myself dancing along to a, a popular choreographed routine from a K-pop idol, upload that on TikTok, most of the times that kind of usage would likely qualify for a fair use, fair dealing defense. But well, no, but we've got that issue in Malaysia because the, there's a question whether fair dealing in Malaysia is exhaustive and it, it's mm. limited to these certain you know, defences of, for example, for criticism, for review, they all need to be credited appropriately and and you need to demonstrate that you've not, I think you need to demonstrate that you've not used more than you need to for that purpose, right? That's right, that's right. Um, Or for example, thankfully, you know, in in the legal sense, um, that there are some legal exceptions for use um, in in, in cases and and precedents and things like that. But the idea is, is fair dealing, fair use such a wide concept that, I mean, I think most people have this assumption or mm. um, this concept that if I'm not making money from it, yep. it's okay for me to use. Yep. You know, not making money like directly, no one's paying me act, like, like, like yeah, directly if, for if, it. If I'm not a big corporation, you know, using this for some If I'm not an influencer with yeah. more than like a hundred, um, I suppose followers, is it yeah. followers still? Yes, it's yeah, still okay. followers, subscribers. But yeah, that, that brings us back to kind of like the title of our podcast, right? Yeah. The legal cost of going viral. The thing yeah. is, 
anybody can go viral these days. And after going viral, you can become an influencer. And being an influencer is a legit career these days where you can make millions. That's where this whole kind of fair dealing, fair use defense becomes really murky, really blurry when the line between a commercial and non-commercial use gets so intertwined. Right, yeah. because in this idea that, I mean, the content will live on forever and you yeah. build, you build your... From, from the content creator's perspective, they are making this content to a certain aim and that aim could be, I'm not saying everyone wants to do it, but could be in order to generate a certain identity yep. and, and a certain commercial, yep. viable, um, sellable, marketable um, yeah. um, identity. And, and that's off maybe the content of belonging to someone else. And I think here's what's the really interesting thing that maybe people don't often appreciate. You can create content and you can own content. Yep but still infringe. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So the thing is, in a perfect world, everyone would, you know, make sure that they clear their copyright before using someone else's content to generate their own content. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, not everybody does that. So, which comes back to the question whether it's still safe nonetheless because of some exception or some defense in the and legislation. On, but on the other hand, if you look at it from the flip side, um, you could also say that the content creators, um, you know, some some of them, there is also the legal cost of the fact that they benefit from going mm. viral. Some of yeah, them said yeah. might have this purpose of going viral. Yeah, yeah. And and to the to the some of them maybe publicly announce it on their social media that hey, by all means, you can use whatever. Yep, yep. And 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 I know we were just talking about this example of how Grimes has yep. said that she's quite happy to share royalties with anyone who uses her work for in in an AI song, yeah, for exactly. example. So I think yeah, a, a lot of especially. But she did set a rule. Yep, she did set a rule that you can't use it for any like toxic lyrics or sing along to it, you know, like very hateful, bigoted propaganda kind of yeah, music. Something yeah, along yeah, those something along those lines. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really clear. She, she's made that really clear. But but there, I'm sure there are many instances when, you know, someone might put it up and say, well, you know, let, let's see how it does. Get benefit or, you know, be quite happy to go along mm. with, you know, if, if one of their songs goes viral or, yeah, or for and example, that sort of thing. Yeah. But then at what point, at what point is it, is it is it right? And again, whether legally or morally, is it right at that that some point they've basically let this out there, and I'm just gonna wait and see when I'm gonna clamp down. Mm, yeah. So to take an example, like I think a lot of small time indie musicians like to do this. They'll try to post a let's say a clip of their the chorus of their song, and in the hopes that it will go viral, in the hopes that a lot of people will use it and repeat it and. For example, I mean, we're stereotyping, but, but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the idea is that they're not gonna, you know, stop anyone from using it because they want to go viral. They want it to become popular in the hopes, you know. So they sacrifice kind of like this short-term profit of the licensing fees, royalty fees, whatever, in the hopes that they become big. People discover them, go on their Spotify, buy their albums, and all that. But like you say, if let's say they do b make it big, and then they then go back, you know, a few years and start taking action against every person who, when they were still a small time small indie artists start taking action against each use of their copyrighted song. Or, or I mean, I, I'm uh, even extrapolating from that. For example, you're someone who, and you put it out there, you're quite happy for your fans to follow along with the trend. But, you know, someone you don't like then participates in the trend. Mm. And, and that's when you decide. Like, I mean, the, the fact that copyright gives you this whole uh, ability, and, and right now, because it's just not very clear where, you know, these defences are going to go. Um, I think, uh, you know, can can you then take action against this one person that you don't like, but for everyone else, you've sort of 
I mean, by not doing anything, are you tacitly consenting? Yeah, yeah, it is complicated, right? Because like, there is the commercial side of not taking action. There is a commercial benefit to it, but then there is also a commercial uh, disadvantage to it when someone uses it in a way that you did not want or don't want to be associated with. For example, I think uh, when Trump was popular and everything, I think he used some boost. Springsteen music and then like Bruce Springsteen came out. Yeah, exactly. And he never, he does not agree to license any of his songs to the Trump campaign, to the Trump organization. So stuff like that, you know, but if everyone else uses it, uh, you know, well, whether with license or not, then this kind of like selective prosecution in a sense, whether whether then there's like an argument that you've basically acquiesced yes, for for certain types of use, you know, if, yeah. if you, that, well, again, there's no clear answer that that makes things a bit more difficult I suppose mm. any any do you want to talk about some local cases to as we wrap up to give some flavor to it yeah sure so there was one local recent case that I thought we could discuss uh, so in this case it was a case for copyright infringement it was started by a social media influencer who she had posted a video of herself on her Instagram account of her uh, eating durians from one durian vendor a separate Durian vendor saw that original video. He then uploaded it onto his own Facebook account. His and business it, account. Yes, his yeah. own business account. And then, you know, she was not happy with that, took action, sued him, and uh, she actually won in a uh, civil suit against the separate durian seller. Yeah, at, at the high court level. So we'll mm-hmm. have to wait and see if there are any appeals going on from that. But I think what's interesting about that one, the guy that uploaded it onto his Facebook business Facebook page and again that's kind of showing our age right Um, (laughs) but he just basically said that he got this video from a WhatsApp group yep. and he thought it looked like a interesting video of someone who was enjoying durian. So he just uploaded it onto his own Facebook page. I don't think there's any allegation that he tried to suggest that it was his durians no, that no, they no, were I enjoying. Think... It's just the idea that he saw he saw a video of someone enjoying durians and he just put it on his um, durian uh, Facebook page. Yep. But again, and that comes that la- really tricky issue. I think for, as an IP lawyer, I mean... In, plain black and white that's pretty that's a problematic thing but um, from a user perspective and a lay perspective a lot of people say well you know people are sharing it you know without restraint Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. whatsapp Um, why can't I just put it on another platform yeah which I guess then again comes back to the issue that people don't realise that all of these works there often is copyright behind it and just because you know you see it somewhere out open in the public doesn't mean it's free to be reproduced free to be shared willy-nilly without getting permission first but of course there's an extra layer behind this in that she originally posted it on her instagram yeah it was circulated on whatsapp he found person unknown downloaded it from instagram yes that's right and then he uh, found it from whatsapp uploaded it onto his facebook so there is like an act of downloading, reproducing, uploading. But what if someone were to just, you know, use Instagram's original share function to share something that was posted originally on Instagram itself? Yeah. Do you need permission to do that? I mean, it's, yeah, and, and that's the crazy thing. I suppose that the, the the only practical takeaway is, you know, if you're a business or you're someone making, you know, that there's a commercial or an arguably commercially exploitative um, aspect of it, then then be very careful. Yeah. Be very aware you might be using someone else's content. Yeah. But it's so convenient and, and, and the share button is there. Most people think, well, you know, you've, 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 you're letting people share it, so why, why, yeah, why guess, make a big deal out so, of it? So, yeah, I guess if we're just, you know, like you sharing a photo of me or me sharing a photo of you on our own private personal Instagrams, I guess that's usually fine. No one really cares or anything. Yeah, but, but the fact that no one really cares doesn't mean that it's not 
legally yeah. actionable. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, let's say, what if I, you know, share myself, uh, pimped out in and full Adidas attire, and then uh, I tag Adidas in my Instagram post. Adidas sees it, and then they share my, you know, photo on their official Adidas Instagram page. Are they allowed to do so? Can they avail themselves of any exception, defense from copyright? Is there some commercial exploitation there? Or just because I uploaded it, I tagged them, does that amount to some tacit uh, acceptance or tacit consent that I'm allowing them to then share it using Instagram? I mean, you might, be, you, you might be very well and happy for them to do it. I think the other way around <laughs> is when you, they usually get into trouble. Um Okay, and, and on that note, I guess the, the the conclusion is basically we don't really have these answers and it's still a murky world out there on yeah. social media. Yeah, so those of you who were listening to this episode, hoping to learn something, some answers, definitive answers, uh, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> and, and I hope you just, you know, enjoy the fact that there, there are some legal quandaries out there that even IP lawyers have some opinions that maybe the law needs to develop at least one way or another for a little bit of clarity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for tuning in to Screencast. The views and explanations expressed here are for purposes of information only and may not apply to all circumstances or may no longer be accurate due to subsequent developments. You are encouraged to consult a qualified lawyer for any specific legal queries or issues faced.